I wanna start off tonight by talking to you about a particular relationship in my life that could seem like a little bit of a funny place to start, but um, it's a relationship that, you know, at times has been a little bit challenging. Um, there's been a share of disagreements. Um, sometimes it's even felt a little bit disappointing or I've felt um, misunderstood by this relationship in some seasons of life. But as I've pushed through those hard times and worked through those things, it's also a relationship that um, at the same time has uh, encouraged me. It's supported me in tough times. It's probably helped me to become and refined me to be more like Christ than any other relationship in my life. Now, who here thinks I'm talking about my wonderful husband? Give me a wave if you think I'm talking about him. Couple of you, or oh, his mum. <laughs> She's got his back tonight, that's awesome. I'm actually not talking about my husband. I did have to assure him this morning that I do still love him very, very much. But um, tonight I'm actually talking about my relationship to the church. I love the local church. And you know, I do have to probably start with a bit of a disclaimer. Um, I'm not actually employed by the church, so I'm not paid to say this tonight. Um, Matt, you can give me a bit of a commission. I'll take chocolates if you like. But, um, you know, I did work for the church, as Mark said, before having kids, which feels like a long time ago. Um, but the interesting thing is in that time since, um, since I haven't been working for church, my love for the local church has not died out, but anything has grown even more and been fueled even more. And I'm just so passionate to contribute to the Bride of Christ and to see her be um, all that she can be to shine in all her glory. Because I really believe that when the church is healthy, people come to know Jesus and we all become more like Him. And so I want to share with you tonight, uh, there's a quote by Pastor Rick Warren and it really resonated with me when I read it a little while ago. It says, I love the church of Jesus Christ with all my heart, despite all its faults due to our sinfulness. It is still the most magnificent concept ever created. It has been God's chosen instrument of blessing for 2,000 years. It has survived persistent abuse, horrifying persecution and widespread neglect. Parachurch organisations and other Christian groups come and go, but the church will last for eternity. It's worth giving our lives for and it deserves our best. You know, my prayer for tonight um, when I was preparing this message was no matter how we've come in, no matter where we're at in our relationship to the church, that tonight we would fall a little bit more deeply in love with the local church. We'd become that little bit more passionate about it, that just like the Bible says, that zeal for His house would consume us. You see, the church... Um, is, is something that's so interesting as we look across the globe. You know, Nathan and I went on our um, honeymoon to Europe and we travelled for six weeks throughout several different countries. And one of the things that really struck me 
was the incredible artwork and architecture in the churches that we visited. But at the same time, there was something that, um, that weighed heavy on my heart that saddened me about it. And you know, as we went around, I looked at these churches and I thought, you know what, they once would have been these thriving places of worship and of community and of people coming together. And now they're literally nothing more than tourist attractions of, you know, tourists coming and filing in and out and just coming and looking. But you see, the church is not a building. It's not a place that we go to, but it's a people. It's you and I as a community, as we gather together, we are the church. And you see, the church was actually God's idea. It wasn't man's idea. And He is passionate about it. You know, Jesus gave His life for the church. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. According to the Pew Research Centre in 1910, there were 600 million Christians worldwide. And then 100 years later, in 2010, there were more than 2.2 billion Christians. You know, over that 100 year period, there was three times the amount of Christians. You know, God is building His church across the globe. But one thing that I found interesting at the same time um, is there's also research done by McCrindle um, that was conducted in 2020 and it found that of those who call themselves Christians in Australia, only 26% attend church weekly and 54% are either annually or, um, or less on the scale to not attending at all. And you know, it actually breaks my heart that there's people that, um, you know, that would, would consider themselves Christians that have a relationship with God, but that miss out on the incredible blessing of being part of church, of being part of what He calls us to. You know, you've probably heard people say from time to time, oh, I love God. Yeah, I just don't love the church. And you know, the Bible uses some different imagery um, when it talks about God and His church. You see, when we become Christians, the Bible tells us that we're adopted into His family. And so uh, God becomes our heavenly Father and we, the church, become His children. You know, some of the other metaphors used are where they refer to Christ being the head and we, the church, are the body. Or we hear um, that Christ is the cornerstone and we are the building. That He is the groom and we, the church, are His bride. You see, you can't separate the head from the body. You can't separate the father from his children or the groom from the bride or the cornerstone from the building. The purpose of these metaphors is they were used to create this inseparable picture of the closest possible relationship where you can't have one without the other. You can imagine if someone said to my husband, Nathan, oh mate, I love you. I think you're a legend. And he is, he's a pretty likeable guy, I'll admit it. Um, but if they said to him, oh, you know, I'd love to hang out with you more. You know, I'd love to go and do some awesome stuff with you. But, 
oh gee, that wife of yours, she's a piece of work. I do not want to hang out with her. She is obstinate. She is argumentative. She is just annoying. You can imagine how that would go down, right? I really hope no one's ever actually said that to him. (laughs) But it's the same with Christ and his bride. You know, we don't have to go to church. It's not about going to get a tick and to win God's approval. God's not about behaviour modification. He's all about heart transformation. But you know, the reason that God urges us and wants us to be part of church community is because it's a fundamental part of God's plan for us to live in all the fullness of life that He intends for us. You see, I love that as we, when we gather as a church, we get to love and encourage one another. We get to serve each other and grow in our giftings. We worship God together. We pray for one another and build each other's faith. We cry and mourn together, but we also celebrate His goodness together. We build incredible friendships. We see the hurt find healing We see the lonely find family, the lost and empty find Jesus, and we all become more like Jesus Christ. Isn't it incredible what we have in the church? You know, when we look um, at the Bible, when we look at the New Testament, other than the Gospels which record Jesus' life on earth, you know, the rest of the New Testament is basically about the church being established and then letters to the church. And so when we look at the New Testament, according to the Bible, church is not an optional extra. There is no isolated, independent Christianity. It simply doesn't exist. And I love how Matt's already touched on this in the video this morning. It's so timely. You know, the Christianity of the New Testament is deeply relational and deeply interdependent. And so tonight, um, I want us to take a look at Acts 2 and we're gonna take a look at the early church and we're gonna jump in and out of this passage a little bit and unpack a little bit about what, it, what it's meant to look like for us as church community. Is that all right? You're all still awake? You're still with me? Awesome. So Acts 2, 42 to 47 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You see, I love this passage, some, um, some translations where it says they devoted themselves. It's, they say they gave themselves away to God, but also to one another. You see, Jesus taught that they should be like family, that, um, that therefore they saw and everything they had as shared and common property. The Christian community was attractively different because they were radically unselfish. And this was something that had never been seen before. You know, this is what we do when we come and tithe, as we heard this morning. We come and bring what we have to share it as a community. 
Now, when we go on to read verse 46, it said, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. You know, that's like what we're doing tonight when we gather together. It wasn't just that they had no better offers, but they came every day because it was such a priority to them. I don't know about you, but sometimes I stop and reflect on the fact that, you know, in China, throughout the Middle East and in parts all around the world right now, there are Christians that actually risk imprisonment or risk their lives just to go and gather as the church. And yet sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes we can be like, oh, church, I don't feel like going this weekend. And you know, it's good to recognise our feelings, but it's actually not good to be led by our feelings. You know, sometimes I feel like church can be this thing that we can take for granted. And I'm always like, God, help me never to take your bride for granted. Help me to see her in all her beauty. You see, when we love the church, we prioritise meeting together. We don't underestimate the power of the consistency in gathering weekly. You know, sometimes I think of it a little bit like an aeroplane. You know, we can come in on the weekend and we might not feel like anything, you know, mind-blowing happened for us. But when an aeroplane takes off, if it's just one degree out, you know, it makes a huge difference in where that aeroplane lands, where it ends up. And I think church can be a little bit the same with our lives. You know, as we come in, it might be a moment in worship. It might be something spoken through the Word. It might be through um, a conversation after the service. You know, I feel like it's just that constant realignment, that constant bringing us back on the direction that God has for us. And you know, we might not notice the fruit of it one week or the next week, but over the course of our lives, gee, it can have a massive impact on where we end up and the destination of our lives. You know, we continue reading and um, in this Acts passage, it says, they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, this sense of spiritual family went so far beyond just gathering on the weekend. It went into being in their homes together, forming deep spiritual friendships. Tim Keller compares the definition of an aggregation and a congregation. An aggregation means a collection of individuals who come together at an event. And you might picture a little little bit like a bag of marbles. Where a congregation on the other hand, it's like a bunch of grapes organically connected, a community in which all aspects of the members' lives touch, he said. You know, some of us might be tempted to think, oh, I'm sure it was easy for them in the New Testament. And sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm like, come on, it must have been so much easier for them. But you know, that early church, it would have been quite the opposite. 
You see, we need to understand that they were from all different ethnic cultures. They would have been Greeks, they're Jews, African. They were from different classes, rich and poor, different political views, previously opposed religious backgrounds. And to us, that might sound a little bit normal for those people to gather together in church, but it actually wasn't. Under any other circumstances in society, all those groups have get, all those different groups would never have gathered together in unity. You see, Greek philosophers had this ideology that tr- of true community, but no one had ever actually lived it out before the Christian Church. It was radically different. And in the natural, it was actually a recipe for disaster. It should have just self-imploded and fizzled out and that been the end of it. But you see, this group of Christians, this early church, was so committed to allowing Christ to continually transform them that they managed to live not just in unity, but as a result, all these new ways of living and new ways of thinking were created through the church. Things that we now consider normal, like loving your enemy, caring for the poor, equal value for humanity. You know, hospitals came out of the church. All these things that seem normal now actually weren't prior to this community of believers. All these things change the world as we know it. Isn't the church so incredibly beautiful when when we come and we shine and we allow unity to bring us together? You know, um, I can talk about this today, about unity and about how great it is and community, but actually when I came back to church at the beginning, I wasn't up for that. I was like, I'll come in on the weekend and that's about the extent of it. And so of course, the young adults pastor rang me and invited me to come on camp. He was trying to you know, get me involved. And so I did what all good Christians do that want to avoid stuff. I lied and I was like, oh, hey, I'm so sorry. I can't afford camp. But who knew that Christians were so nice that then they offered to sponsor you? <laughs> I know, it got me bad, right? But I'm so glad that I took that step and broke through that barrier because my life would not be the same otherwise. And so I wanna ask you tonight, will you allow this depth of community into your life? Will you bring down walls? Will you allow people to see the real you? Not Not the you with the mask on, yeah, how are you? Yeah, great, yeah, I'm great too but the real you. Will you allow people to encourage you, but will you also invite people to hold you accountable? Invite people to speak into your blind spots where maybe there's a bit of sin creeping in that that we don't notice. Will you keep coming even when you don't feel worthy and you don't feel like being here because you know you've stuffed up and got stuff wrong? You know, when we pull away in those times, they're the very times when we should be doing the opposite and pressing into community and allowing people to stand with us and encourage us. Will you allow that depth of community into your life? You know, as I was um, preparing throughout the week, I really felt that there was one group of people that I needed to speak to, to all that God wanted to speak to tonight. 
And that's those of you who um, may be here who may have felt disappointed by the church. You may have felt let down. You may have felt really, really hurt by um, the sin and the faults of individuals or it may have even been leadership. And you know, I really believe that tonight um, God wants to come and His Holy Spirit wants to minister to that place in your life. You know, if you'll allow Him to bring that healing balm to those areas of your life, you're gonna walk out of here so different tonight with this new openness and this new fullness as you allow community back into your life. You know, the Holy Spirit really wants to minister to that place tonight. And so I'd love to pray for you after. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort, not just when it feels easy, but every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So why as Christians are we the only army that shoots our own soldiers at times? You know, sometimes I feel like the enemy doesn't even need to come and attack the church because we actually do it for him sometimes with our words. I don't know about you, but my family is a little bit crazy. Um, My daughter's here tonight. She's crossing her arms as I'm saying this. (laughs) It can get a little bit wild. There's kids jumping off dining tables over onto the couch and other kids in the toilet, like, or a toddler, I should say, with like cups of toilet water coming out. And it gets crazy and there's disagreements and all kinds of things going on. But it doesn't matter. It's still the most beautiful thing ever. And you know, church family can be the same. It can be a little bit messy. It can be a little bit crazy. Will we have differences? Absolutely. But here's the thing. What unites us, Jesus, should be so much greater than anything that could possibly divide us. You see, the more we understand how imperfect we are, I think the more we have grace for others' imperfections, because we know how desperately we require God's grace. You know, a healthy church is not an issue-free church, but it's a place that we are, where we understand that we are family, united by the blood of Jesus. And because we love Jesus and His church, we don't gossip, we assume the best, We admit our issues and we work through them together. We apologise and we fight for unity. You see, when you're family, it's not an option to leave every time there's an issue. I remember threatening to as a kid though. I'm I'm going, I'm living somewhere else. But you know, as we work through things, we actually become stronger for it. Nikki Gumbel says, stop looking for the perfect church. It does not exist. Join an imperfect church and serve in every way you can to make it nearer perfection. You see, church should be our spiritual home, a place we love, a place we invest into. But who of you like me sometimes need to admit that we can come with a bit of a consumer mentality, a bit of a critique mentality where we maybe treat church a little bit more like a hotel than our home. You know, GR, I didn't like the songs the worship leader sang today. 
Oh, I wish the pastor would fix up that issue. None of you would say those things, right? (laughs) But instead of being critical, what if we saw those things as opportunities to come and invest into? I was speaking to Mark um, this week and we were talking and he was sharing with me about one of a conversation that has really blessed him recently. He was speaking to um, a woman in our church and she's actually served in the playgroup where we invite the community into church for um, mums or dads and whatever and their kids for over the last 10 years. Sometimes when she'd come in, someone would have been in and messed up the toilets or some of the youth from the neighbourhood would have come in and trashed the outdoor area a bit. And, you know, instead, Instead of complaining and asking for someone else to fix it, she actually now comes in early every single week just so she can make sure everything's in place, everything's in order, everything's ready to give our best to our community. You know, we have so many amazing people like this in our church. You know, our worship team get here early and they diligently rehearse so we can come in and worship. We have young adults that come in on Friday nights. They give up part of their weekend to come and serve our youth. We have incredible people that make sausage rolls to give us after the service. Who loves the sausage rolls? I'm a bit of a fan of a good sausage roll. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how each of us have different spiritual gifts. And it likens it to being parts of the body. Each of us are like a part of the body. You know, maybe you're like an ankle and we're limping without you. Or maybe you're like an eye and without you, we can't see very clearly. See, when one member of the body doesn't play their part, we all suffer because of it. You're actually missed. But when we all contribute, it's like an elite athlete in peak performance. It's incredible. And you know, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for eight minutes or 80 years, if you're young or if you're old, The body of Christ needs your unique gifting. You know, I'm so aware that people sacrifice so that I could come in and I could find Christ. And I wanna sacrifice, I wanna give of my best so that the next generation, so that others can come and find Him as well in this incredible thing we call church. You know, when we contribute, we actually receive way more than we could ever give. Church starts to feel like home, a place where we belong. We develop in our God-given gifting. We learn to rely on God and no one gets burnt out because they're having to play other people's parts. I wanna jump back for a second into Acts 2, 47, the passage that we're reading from. And we read about the community that they had. We read about how they gathered. And then it leads on to this verse in 47, which we read before, but I wanna revisit it. It says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, the salvations were a byproduct of the lives that the church were living as they lived lives devoted to God and so deeply connected to each other, it radiated for people to see around. People saw something that they wanted in the church. See, we live in a world that is longing for love, it's longing for acceptance, it's longing for community. You know, after the isolation of COVID, community is something pretty incredible and there's a longing in people's hearts. 
When I came back to church, I would actually sometimes um, go out the whole night the night before and with no sleep, I'd come straight to church. I don't know, there was just something drawing me and I wanted to be there, but I hadn't yet changed my lifestyle. And the thing I, I love when I look back on it is that people didn't look at me and point the finger. They weren't like, oh, geez, she's, she doesn't really fit the mould, does she? But they loved me for where I was at. They allowed me to belong before I necessarily modified my behaviour. They invited me out for lunch. They kept me a place at the table. And I wonder, can we be a church that does that for other people? People that don't necessarily feel like they look the mold or they talk the part. How amazing would it be if our pubs were empty and our church was full? Our church was full of people that smelt like they belonged in the pub, that talk like they belong in the pub. That makes me so excited when I come and I see people that don't look like they fit the mold. Because they're the people that we should be loving and embracing as a church. When they come in, they're the ones that we should be looking for to go and pour God's love on. Because when we truly love church, we help people to feel like they belong before they believe. Because we understand that the church is not a museum that displays perfect people. It's a hospital that restores and heals the broken and hurting. So I wanna invite the band back and we're gonna draw to a close now. But before we do, um, there was one, there were a couple of things that I just felt um, I needed to do tonight. And one of them is that I feel like we, um, we can talk a lot in church about people that don't know Jesus and need to come to know Him and that's awesome. But I feel like there's this whole group of people, people that either would still call themselves Christians or maybe that once did but don't anymore. But either way, they're not connected to church community anymore. And I wonder tonight, can I encourage you to to think about who those people are in your life, in your world, to reach out to them, to love them, to help them find healing if they need to, to help them see the beauty in the body of Christ once again. Because can you imagine if just each of us reached one of those people? We would need a building double the size because of the number of people coming back to live in the fullness of the community, the fullness of life that God intended for them to have. You know, tonight I wonder, can we make a fresh commitment to loving the church, to loving the local church that God has placed us in, to not taking it for granted. You know, love is, um, it can be this word that's a bit fluffy, but it's actually a verb. It's an action word. It's a word that requires something of us. And I don't know for you where you're at tonight or how you've come in here. Maybe you've been coming to church your whole life. Maybe it's your first night here. And so it's gonna look different for each of us. And so maybe for you, it's making Sundays a priority, gathering together on the weekend. Maybe that's something that slipped in your life for whatever reason. 
Maybe God's calling you tonight to, to make that your first priority again. Maybe for you it's fighting for unity in the church by forgiving someone or by going and apologising to someone where you need to. Maybe it's um, sharing what you have financially through tithing as we heard earlier tonight. Maybe it's holding your critical spirit to account. And you know, instead of um, criticising the church or criticising leadership, committing to pray for them, committing to encourage them, committing to speak words of life and finding ways to contribute to those areas. For you tonight, it might be um, starting to play your part in the body of Christ through serving. And there's so many ways that you can do that, which, which will fit with the gifting and the passions that God's put on your life. Or maybe finally, it's um, building deeper relationships, allowing people in. You know, that might be through going to a life group throughout the week or, um, and you know, both those things, serving and going to life groups. You can go to the help desk after the service and they'd love to help you out with that. Or you can get on the website through the week and fill in a connect card. Or even tonight for you, it might be as simple as normally as soon as the service finishes, you race out the door to avoid talking to anyone. Maybe it's just staying around for a sausage roll. <laughs> after the service and chatting to a few people. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for the opportunity to come around Your Word. We thank You for the privilege that it is to come into our spiritual home, to come and meet with our church family. And God, may we never take that for granted. God, may we fall more deeply in love with Your church, with Your bride than ever before. God, out of our love for You, may we contribute to serving Your bride so that she can shine in all the glory that, she's in, that is intended, Lord, so the world around us can see Your goodness. God, I thank You so much I thank You for Your love and we thank You for Your grace tonight. In Jesus' Name, Amen.